0: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pegnada, with you guys as always. And today, it is time to get you guys ready for the upcoming season ourselves. We have let you hear from some experts about this upcoming season, but now it is time for us to dive into what we think is going to happen in the upcoming season for the Tar Heels. And it's one that, you know, a couple weeks ago, I think, you know, we we were kind of sitting there thinking, is this a team that could win six, seven games? But it feels like as we've gotten closer and closer to the start of the year, there is more and more optimism around this team. And it's not just us, it's it's nationally. And, you know, I think that there is, you know, a, a bit of excitement that has been invigorated into the fan base here over the last couple of weeks that maybe wasn't there before um, are you feeling that here as we get closer to uh, the start of the season here? As I welcome in my host, Josh Marlowe, who has an extremely skeptical look on his face right now.
1: You, you know, I do think the the opinions around the national media, whether, you know, Mark Packer said last week he thinks we're the sleeper of the entire ACC, you know, Greg McElroy and, and Josh Graham are guys that have picked us to win the ACC. I do think that has helped from a fan Coastal, perspective. Coastal. Uh, right. From a you know a, a fan perspective, be a little bit more motivated, a little bit more excited going in because we're coming off one of the biggest letdowns we've ever experienced as as Tar Heel fans, and you know you're having to break in a new quarterback and stuff like this. But you know I, I've said it all off season long, and since the media has tried to hype us up, um, I would be a little bit more comfortable if we had a quarterback today thinking this team could win seven to eight games maybe compete to win the ACC Coastal. I still have my doubts and reservations if the team's going to make a bowl game, to be honest with you, given the schedule, given we don't know the answers that lie at the quarterback position, if this defense can take a step forward and stuff like that. But, you know, it's definitely not the same hype and excitement we had last year, but I do think the fact that there are still believers in this program speaks for what Matt, what Mac Brown has done since he's gotten here because – like, if this was a Larry Fedora team, there would be no energy, no excitement, no buzz around it. But because Mac Brown's here, Gene Chiswick's back in Chapel Hill, you got a potential legacy player starting at quarterback. There is some still buzz around this team, and I do think that is a good thing.
0: Well, I think either quarterback kind of excites people because Jacoby Criswell is. A guy that's very similar in the mold to the quarterback that you just had in there in terms of playing style. Um, and I think there is confidence that if he was the guy, a lot of people feel like this is still a team that can win games. i, I just I think there is so much optimism as you've gone, you know, even as you've grown closer and closer to the season, and you're hearing more and more people say it and you're hearing people from inside the team say it, that the mindset for this team is different, and a lot of that is due to the return of Gene Chiswick. A lot of people feel more confident in him. A lot of people feel more confident just overall in the coaching staff, including Mac Brown, who basically said that this is a staff that has cohesiveness. Not that is more cohesive, not that has better cohesion, That this is a staff that is cohesive, which tells me that last year's staff was in fact not cohesive. And that is a problem. That is probably part of the reason why Carolina struggled the way that they did. When your coaches aren't on the same page, your team is not going to be on the same page. So I think that's a big part of it. And I I think that, look, there there probably is some reason, some justification for this hype. You've got, you know, potentially the best player overall in – The conference. If you just, you know, it's he's not going to win ACC Player of the Year. It's going to be the best quarterback. We saw that in the ACC preseason Player of the Year voting, where he finished, I believe, fourth uh, behind the three quarterbacks. And if you compare those guys to where they are at at their position in college football, Josh Downs ranks higher than all of those guys. But it's just that's a quarterback award. So I, I think that you know you combine that with the fact that this defense has a chance to take a step forward um, and you feel more confident that they'll do that under Gene Chizik and the fact that this offense, you still think that Phil Longo has this offense in a position to be one of the better ones in the country, there's reasons to feel excited about where this season is heading for Carolina. Now, one of the things that is concerning and that may have taken away from the excitement just a little bit is what happened on Saturday and it was, you know, revealed Saturday night that Antoine uh, Antoine Green did end up hurting himself uh, in the Saturday scrimmage. It was a collarbone injury. Well, we have found out that that is now a broken collarbone, and he is going to be out. Uh, the timetable is somewhere between six to ten weeks. Mac Brown said that he's hoping it's six weeks, and if it is, that would be huge for Carolina because that would put him on track to return in the game against Notre Dame. And Look, you'd love for him to return sometime within that window. Even if it's not Notre Dame, the earliest you'd probably want to see him back would be that next weekend against Virginia Tech because then you've got, you know, really three of the next four are pretty important swing games for Carolina in the ACC Coastal because you've got the game at home against uh at home against Virginia Tech. Yep. You go on the road to Miami on October 8th. You've got the game against Duke that's on the road, but either way you would think they'd be able to win that game without him. And then you have the game against Pittsburgh at home. So those that's a key stretch for Carolina. You're hoping you can get him back by that point. But uh, first, well, I'm going to bring you in on this, first of all. Even if you weren't, I would have phoned you on this one because you are an expert in this injury. You told me this the other night. As a Dallas Cowboy fan, you've seen this injury quite a few times to your quarterback nonetheless. Um this one not quite as impactful as a quarterback injury, but a broken collarbone, how concerned overall should Tario fans be about?
1: I mean about? you're you're looking at about about six weeks um for, for that bone and it depends on if they do any surgery to it or if they just Just had surgery yesterday so they, yeah. and was back with the team as of this morning. So I mean six weeks is very possible. Um the few times that Romo had it done I think he had it one time surgically repaired. The second time, they actually let the bone heal itself. Um, so, it's, it's you know, the, the, what I've learned with guys getting injured is they're not like my body, where it just heals itself, like with my torn ACL. So, hopefully six weeks, he's, he's back by Notre Dame. Aren't you winded walking up the stairs, by the way? I mean, that is also very true. Okay. But, All right. Just wanted to make sure that people know you're not the pinnacle of male health. Um, So, you know, you're looking at a baseline of six weeks, I, you know, I, I think 10 weeks would really just depend on, I guess, how bad the break is and, and how it's going to take for him really just to be able to be comfortable moving the shoulder, doing the stuff as a wide receiver with his body. But this is a big blow to a wide receiver unit that's needs that needs guys to step up to make the game easier for Josh Downs. We felt very positive about Green after the way he closed the season last year. From really that Notre Dame game on last year, he was mm-hmm. he was he was a really good, reliable number two target for then quarterback Sam Howell. So this only adds to the pressure for other guys to step up. But if he's back by the Notre Dame game, that means he's back for the biggest games of the season and could play a factor in Carolina either winning or losing those games. You know, the
0: concerning part is what happens now and how concern, the the concern level for what Carolina does without him and you're basically in a very similar situation to what you were heading into last year. Now the difference is is that you have the known quantity of Josh Downs. Look, we thought Josh Downs was going to be really good. We didn't know that coming mm. into last year. Now that's known. And is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? We don't really we don't really know because yeah, we know that Josh Downs is good. We know that he's been improving in the offseason. But at the same time, other teams in the ACC now know that Josh Downs is really good. And they're going to be looking to scheme ways to take him away. So, Carolina's got to find some other guys that step up. You know, the first guy, one of the first guys that comes to mind for me that has to step up isn't even a wide receiver. I think it's Kamari Morales. You've got to find a way to get him more involved consistently consistently throughout this season and look I know that Bryson Nesbitt is another guy that they're going to want to get involved and it's in a multitude of different ways but Kamari Morales is really your most veteran pass catcher now with mm. Green out of the lineup outside of Josh Downs. So you've got to find ways to get him the football more often because, look, even though it was a loss, go back, watch the game against Georgia Tech last year, and you'll see how good that offense can be when he gets rolling.
1: Yeah, you know I do think as a whole we need and are expecting more from that tight end position, and you guys know me, I'm a fan of a good tight end. But
0: this yeah, also does
1: uh, this also does bring up, you know, it it, ju- it just adds. I mean, it just adds pressure to the wide receiver guys to step up and make plays. Mm-hmm. The good news is, though, is that there's enough talent there to where it, it's it, his his absence is replaceable, and this could allow a guy or two to potentially emerge, and maybe this passing offense is further advanced. Um. By the time he comes back, then then we think it is. Um. I, I've kind of thought it was just gonna take this offense until, maybe mid October to really find its stride because you're breaking a new quarterback, you know, offensive lineman, and that stuff. But if, if this can allow them to develop some big time weapons, and he comes back and can still be, you know, that third down possession receiver, that red zone target that this team's gonna need, this might this might be something in the long run. It's never good that a guy gets hurt. But in the long run, this could really help this offense take a step forward going into the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it it surely could. And I think that you look at the group that's trying to replace him out there at wide receiver. There's more experience than there was a year ago from some of the guys that are going to have to step up. You've got Kobe Paceauer who can kind of move back and forth between the outside and the slot. That's what... I think is so likable about him and is going to make him potentially a big part of this offense but the thing that stinks is he was supposed to be the other starter for Carolina outside of Downs and Green and it looked like it was setting up to where you know he could sort of ease himself in and find his role now they need him to step up a little more immediate uh, immediately out of the gate um and then you know you you've seen you know flashes from a guy like Andre Green Jr which is tremendous we didn't really see that last year from the group of true freshman wide receivers. There wasn't really anybody being raved about, but you're now in a situation where you may need this guy in week one to be, you know, a guy that can contribute for you. And then you go to guys like JJ Jones and, and, and Justin Olson guys that looked like they were headed for rotational roles. And now both of those guys could be back in play to potentially start this upcoming season. So I think it does put more pressure on that room. But, yeah, I think there's more reason to be confident because there are guys that have more years in the system um, than they did last year. And I think the tight end position is also a big reason why you should be confident. Not to mention, now more it looks like there is a scenario where you could see Bryson Nesbitt being moved back out to wide receiver. It looked like, you know with them sort of you know, getting that wide receiver spot settled with Kobe Pessauer stepping up um, and being raved about all summer and then Andre Green Jr. coming in, they might not have needed Nesbitt as much on the outside or, or really just that receiver in general. Now, Carolina's probably going to have no choice but to play him a little bit on the outside. And look, he held his own there in the spring. He looked good in the spring game early on, didn't get the ball thrown his way a ton. But when he did, he looked pretty good. So that's... That's one of those versatile guys that could really help Carolina in this situation, and it's one uh, that we will be monitoring over the next couple of weeks. But as we mentioned, it is time for us to get you ready for Tar Heel football in the 2022 season. We are officially turning the page on the 2021 season, and we're going to do so by turning the page on the unit that has wanted to turn the page Since the end of last season, since that final game uh, in Charlotte against South Carolina, one of the worst showings uh, that Tar Heel football has had in a bowl game in a long, long time, uh, where they were just eviscerated by uh, a shorthanded South Carolina team. But now it is a new day, as we mentioned, as I mentioned earlier uh, I feel, you know, like there are a lot of people that are extremely confident in Gene Chizik, and it's a lot of the guys that are on the roster as well. And this looks like a a team that, you know, as of right now, people feel has a chance to take a major step forward and be one of the most improved defenses in the country this season. And look, it all starts up front with that defensive line. We've talked about this so much over the last few seasons. And even if you go back to 2020, people will say, well, Carolina was one of the best teams in the country at getting to the quarterback and coming up with sacks. That is true. A lot of that was due to the way that it was schemed, having to blitz linebackers, everything like that. Carolina needs more push up front from their defensive linemen Mac Brown talked about it last year and it didn't happen. Carolina needs to be able to win those one-on-one battles up front. And this unit, I, I mean, there's reasons to believe that they can. Miles Murphy is one of the big reasons why he's expected to be one of the breakout stars not only for Carolina but in the conference this season. Des Evans being raved about a ton. A lot of people think that he's now in a system that sort of fits him a little bit better than the role that he had in the previous system where he did have to drop back in coverage at times. This one's more him just trying to get after the quarterback, hand in the dirt. And you've got Raymond Vlasic back in the middle, although he has been banged up with injuries so far in the preseason. How confident are you? that this is a unit that can finally reach its potential and break out? Because break out. it feels like we've been hearing this for the last couple of years, but it didn't happen under Jay Bateman.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing that's been the most disappointing is that there's been talent here. They just haven't gotten the amount of production that, that the talent warrants. Um, I do think that, you know, this scheme does fit the guys a little bit better than what Jay Bateman was trying to do, where I think they'll just be more – you know, reacting as opposed to thinking, I thought, so much of what we got was, was what was wrong with Jay Bateman's defense was that our guys were thinking instead of more playing off instincts and stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, look, all these guys, got they, they've got something to prove. Miles Murphy last year had a good half of the season and then disappeared. Des Evans, um, if he doesn't do anything this year, you could qualify him as a busted recruit with a guy that – came in with so much hype and potential and expectation and, and hasn't really done a whole lot of anything on the field. But it's really about staying healthy. When he's healthy, I think he's been an impact player, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy because they haven't had enough depth to rotate him on and off the field. So usually by the middle of October, early November, his body is beat to hell. So hopefully they address all those things. This is a real kind of like how it was last year on the offensive line in the future of Stacy Searles oh, is a, a big year for Tim Cross. Um, I know how important he is to this this staff on the recruiting trail. Um, they wouldn't have the talent they have in the locker room on that side of the ball without Tim Cross, but this defensive line has been rather underwhelming outside of the first year when you had, you know, a Strobridge and those guys here who were just playing out of, the, out of this world up there up front. So I do think you'll see a group that's motivated. I do think you'll see a group that's got to be more physical at the point of the attack, get off blocks and all those things, but you know, it's really hard to be confident until we see them actually do it on the field. There's been a lot of talk about this this defensive line since Mac Brown got back. There was a lot of talk last year about the defensive line and this was a this was a group that last year was getting, you know, ransacked by Georgia Tech in the first month of the season. So it it, it it can be talk, but they got to walk the walk, and you know it's going to start. You know, against FAMU on August 27th, but in earnest, when they go, when they go to App State, because that team ain't going to be afraid to line up and run the ball right at Carolina.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's it's a unit that's been talked about a lot over the last couple of years, definitely since you got Strobridge and Crawford out of there um, after the season that they had. You know, a lot of people thought well, this unit's starting to develop depth. It won't be the same moving forward, and, you know, the last couple of years, even, you know, last year, there were a lot of times where Raymond Vohasick and Miles Murphy were your best guys. It was very clear. The depth behind them was not ready to step up. Now it feels like the depth is potentially there, and, you know, again, you, you take it for what it is. It's what Mac Brown is saying in the preseason, and it seems like there always is more optimism in the preseason as opposed to what you actually see on the field. But there is a thought that this group is as healthy as it has ever been and is about as deep as it has ever been, probably since the Butch Davis era. And in terms of pure talent on paper, I would have to agree. Um, There is just just a bunch of talent, no matter where you look, primarily at the two interior spots more than on the edge. But especially at those two interior spots, Carolina is loaded with guys that can make impacts inside. There, you finally got a healthy, a healthy Keedrick Bingley Jones, um, which is something that you've been waiting for for the last couple of years. Javari Ritzy is a guy that can sort of move, you know, can can play on the edge, can play inside. They've talked about him a lot so far, and it feels like they're pretty happy with where Keyshawn Silver is now that he has sort of figured out his position. He's put on the weight that he's needed to. So there's reasons to believe that this unit can take a big step forward. And and look, this is a unit that you should be pretty excited about. There's no doubt in my mind that this is one of those units that if you're feeling confident in – you should then then go ahead and feel confident about this unit going in because the talent tells you that they should be able to capitalize there. The good news is you mentioned Tim Cross coming into a big year. Well, this is not the first time that Tim Cross has worked with Gene Shizik. He worked with them back at Texas, so it's not like he is completely unfamiliar with this. So, I, I mean, we'll 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 see. I, I do think that there is a chance that Carolina will you know be able to finally break out this year on the defensive line and be able to get after those quarterbacks. You move back to the linebacking core. Jeremiah Gimmel out, uh, Power Eccles in. I think that a lot of people, look, they liked what they saw from Jeremiah Gimmel. He was a great leader. That's the thing that's going to be missed the most from him. But when you talk about the look, the feel of, an inside linebacker. Power Eccles has that. He has the feel of the type of guy that Gene Chizik is looking for that's going to play with that edge, with that toughness, that's going to get off a block, something that Carolina needs that they didn't do enough of last year. And you're putting him in there with Cedric Gray alongside of him. Cedric Gray, you know, coming off a really strong year a year ago, remember, didn't start until that game against Virginia. And even then, we were kind of questioning, he's starting this game um, and since then, he has never looked back. He's a guy that, you know, has done some really good things, dropping into coverage, everything like that. Needs to be a little bit better tackling in open space. I um, mean, is one of those guys that has to improve getting off of blocks. But, man, I, I think the sky is the limit for him, especially, you know, with how they've kind of talked about him here so far in the preseason. And then you get to that battle, behind these two guys at, uh, you know, the interior linebacker spots. Ra Rod Dilworth, Sebastian Cheeks, um, two guys. You know, Cheeks was a guy that I think we thought Dilworth probably is that number one rotational guy there. But Cheeks really impressed in spring. He, He looked really good in the spring game. And I think he's a guy that can more than hold his own as a true freshman. So Carolina really with two really solid backups there. Those guys are going to be battling for rotational reps so that you don't have to play your linebackers, your starting linebackers, as much as you have had to over the last few years. And then Noah Taylor, huge key for Carolina, coming in at that Jack linebacker position. Kind of going to be a guy that can get after the quarterback, rush the passer, but also drop into coverage and do more traditional linebacker stuff. Uh, Basically the same role that he had at Virginia, and people think he could make a huge impact. You know, I I think the concern here is probably depth. Carolina did lose a couple of guys. They did lose Ethan West uh, who had to medically retire. So the depth here isn't Super strong, but it feels like this is a unit that you could still be pretty confident in. And you know, I as I'm in that camp that believes that the move from Gimel to Power Eccles probably makes this linebacking core a little bit better. Actually,
1: yeah, because what you're losing in leadership with Gimmel, you're probably making up for in just talent. Um, and Gimel was a guy who was like a self-made guy. You know, he he made himself into a really good linebacker. Power Eccles is just a naturally gifted playmaker at the linebacking position and you know we we've kinda compared that him and Rahroth side by side would kind of give you vibes of, you know, Bruce Carter and Kwan event when those guys were, were in Chapel Hill leading at the time, which was maybe the best linebacking room, you know, in college football. So talent here is is it's it's there. Um it, it's very young, it's very fluid, and this is going to be a really fun, you know, position to really watch as the season grows long. And, and I think this could be a really important thing. You go back and you look at really what made um, Carolina's defense so good in 15 and really the first part of 16 before it kind of all broke down for that program. The 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 play of subpar talented linebackers really was a key to that defense for Gene Chizik. Uh, we've talked about it ever since he came back. He's inheriting a roster Way more talented, gifted, and deeper than the one he had in 15, which he turned around and was a big part of a reason why Carolina made the ACC title game. Same can be said here at this linebacking core where while they lack depth, if they stay healthy, there's enough talent here to overcome those depth issues. Um, Cedric Cedric Gray is a guy who emerged last season like most guys, needs to be better at tackling in the open field, but They've got a lot of good things to work with. And uh, as a guy who likes to watch good linebacking play, this will be a fun group to watch from start to finish.
0: Well, Cedric Gray sort of fits that, you know, self made type of linebacker that you were talking about. He's a guy that, you know, Carolina, Mac Brown revealed this at ACC Media Days Carolina was his only Power 5 offer. And now he's a guy that last year may have been Carolina's best defensive player. Now, that could be saying more about the rest of the guys on defense, but I do think that Cedric Gray earned that recognition a year ago, at least from this podcast, with the way that he played. And I I think he's a guy that fits what Carolina wants to do and fits that more modern linebacker. Noah Taylor – I mean, it makes it, the comparisons between him and what Shaquille Rashad were in this defense back in 2015. I think that that's the guy that you want him to be, and I think he can potentially pull that out of him, Gene Chizik. That is, uh, and and you hope that that is you know, ends up being the case. There's a lot of talent here. Um, you know the backup at you know at Jack, you know there's some good depth there, some young guys that haven't really gotten onto the field just yet, and then Chris Collins also looks like he's going to be out there. So you've got that mix of experience and young talent. Uh, It's just it's a unit that I think there are still some uncertainties, especially because we haven't seen a lot of these guys. But I feel like this is one of the more quietly talented units on this team. Well, now let's go to the defensive backs, and this, to me, is probably the unit, maybe, I'm not, it's hard, because I think corner, you feel pretty confident about what Carolina's got at corner. Safety, on the other hand, to me, at least, there are still some pretty big reservations about this group of safeties, because a lot of these guys are pretty much the same guys from last year. And I think you're going to see how big of an influence Gene Chizik and Charlton Warren have on this group early on. Um, As I mentioned, you know, cornerback. I think it's a unit that we expect to bounce back. Tony Grimes, he's a guy that if you look at guys that they expect to have huge seasons to break out and become stars of college football, Tony Grimes is consistently on there. Storm Duck is a guy that you know. If he can just stay healthy, he has shown when he's been on the field that he can be a great lockdown corner opposite of Tony Grimes. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that he's, you know, he's been on and off the field the last couple of years. There was a rumor that came out the other day that he's been dealing with some soreness in his foot so not really sure if, if that's something that you know we have to worry about moving forward and then you add in the depth of guys like Legend Cavazos who comes in uh, as, as a transfer from Ohio State and you bring back a guy in DeAndre Hollins who you didn't have a year ago now you get to bring him back into the fold along with you know some other guys that looked really good uh, back in the spring led by Dante Balfour one of the young corners there so the depth at corner I think is really really good the concern is at safety because one don't know what the status of Jaquarius Conley is for early in the season last time I saw AJ Blue still working with him on the side so looks like he's probably still got a little ways to go it is in early August here but remember Carolina's first game of the year is August 27th so getting him back for that game I think is going to be a tough ask they're just hoping that they can have them probably for that that run that we talked about with Anton Antoine Green earlier. If they don't have him against App State, it is what it is. But they want to have him when they start getting into ACC conference play, and really just overall, you need the safeties to show more consistency.
1: Yeah, no, I think that was just something that uh, was was really the most disappointing thing of. Of Jay Bateman's scheme was that we thought like we had the guys that could really function in that scheme and make the types of plays that, that 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 defense allowed you to make, and it just didn't happen. I do think you'll see a bounce back year from Tony Grimes. Hopefully, Storm Duck does stay healthy at the corner spot. If not, they got enough. I think there there's enough in you know in that room. Whether it's Day Day Hollins, one of those guys to step up. And really play as at, long
0: as those guys stay healthy. As, that corner
1: position has been a tough spot to keep healthy. So you know, it it really just comes down to the safety position. And uh, you guys have heard me talk about this ever since you know we started the podcast. The difference between a good defense and a great defense is having dynamic playmakers at the safety spot. Guys that can make big time plays in the I run thought it game, was pass rush. No, it's, it's definitely... You're confused. I, I've heard you tout the pass rush. I mean, it's it all comes together in one. Oh, there we go. But, I I mean, I haven't seen a great defense not have a dynamic safety. I, I, I've, I've never seen one of those exist. I think Carolina has the talent to have a dynamic playmaker at the safety spot. It's just about it all kind of coming together and figuring out who to pair back there with who and, and who fits well and who doesn't, and... Sometimes it comes down to health too, because they've been beat up back there as well. But I mean, look if, if 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 the safety spot isn't any better than it was a year ago, I don't care how good they are in the pass rush. I don't care how good the linebackers are. This defense will be will still be suspect. So um, I think the good news is is that you know n- now. Now you've got a defensive backs coach that also isn't coordinating your defense and stuff like that. Yep. He's just going to be committed to every day at practice, game planning, and getting the best out of his defensive backs. Not, not coaching it a, 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 a skill position and putting together a game plan. He's just going to be coaching the skill position to fit into Gene Chiswick's game plan, and that matters. And and Gene,
0: one of the things is that Gene has been very involved with the safeties. That's the one position that he is heavily involved in. So you've got him heavily involved there. Remember that you've got Dre Bly with the corner, so that allows Charlton Warren to be more involved with the safeties. I mean, he oversees the whole defensive back room. He's also considered a co-defensive coordinator with Gene. But still, you you feel like, first of all, there's more proven track records for those guys. Mm-hmm. No, not, nothing against Bateman, but... Those guys have been doing this for years now. You feel a little more confident in them. And I think it's just the sheer amount of guys. Again, it's all about health for sure. But, you know, if if you've got Jaquarius Conley back – then, you know, you've got him back there. you got other veteran guys that have been in the system for a while. Cameron Kelly, who started last year, looks like he could be heading towards starting again this year. Giovanni Biggers, who, you know, showed some good things last year, got out of position a few times. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. But was also banged up towards the end of the year, had an off-season surgery as well. Um, Don Chapman is still back there, one of those more versatile guys that you can kind of move all around. So we'll have to see if he's – playing at corner or if he's playing at safety who knows he could even play in the nickel we heard that he was going to go there at a time last year as well um you know and then you've got some of the younger guys you know we saw Dontavius Nash he had to play a lot in the spring because of all the injuries and he looked really really good he was raved about the problem with him is we haven't heard anything about him since he got banged up in the spring game so what's his status and is he a guy that has sort of picked up on that and continued moving forward? And then you even have some of the other younger guys. One of the guys that's shown up on a couple of highlight films, people have pointed him out a few times, is Will Hardy, the true freshman safety um, who comes in and, and and is a summer enrollee. So we'll, we'll have to see. I think there are you know some really good options back there. It's really just about sorting out who is going to be at that safety spot, how many options do you have? And I think it's like you said. You know, we talk so much about the offensive line finding the best five. Well, at safety, I think you're right. It's finding that best pair. Who works best together? Who communicates right? And I think, you know, we took for granted how good some of the guys – these guys were not the best in Carolina history. But remember a few years ago, you didn't have to worry when Miles Dorn and Miles Wolfolk were together. And we thought after that things would just go smoothly, and it hasn't really. Carolina, if they could just get back to that type of tandem back there, yeah, you feel pretty confident about what Carolina can do. Really quickly, if you had to start two of the safeties right now, which safety team Everybody's healthy, including Conley. Who is the safety group that you're starting to start the year?
1: I, I, I really don't know. That's a great. That's I mean, a great I, answer. I know you're wanting an answer. I, I I can't give you an answer because, you know, first off, when's the last time this room was completely healthy for us to actually want to like be able to say we want those two guys back there? Yeah, it, it we haven't really had that at our disposal. Um, so I I I I think it'll be something where, you know, last year they kind of interchanged who was back there at certain times because of health and stuff like that. I do feel like if, if they find their two best two, as long as they stay healthy, we'll have that. And and I think that's going to be the biggest thing Gene Chizik is trying to bring to this defense is continuity. At all three position groups, at all three levels, something that this defense just didn't have under Jay Bateman. And it's a big reason you know, why this defense, quite frankly, the last couple years was downright terrible and abysmal. If he has the continuity back and the communication's where it needs to be and they're more physical and they actually get off blocks and and do stuff, this defense can be adequate. It's not going to be a top-10 defense. It's not going to be one of the best defenses in the ACC. If it can just be average, that'll do big-time things for this football team. If it is a top-10 defense, I will run naked through the streets.
0: There is no way in hell that they are going from what they were last year to being a top ten defense, I just want to see you
1: run. I mean, you don't even have to put clothes on.
0: But I, just want I mean, to see you run five. I mean, if they could finish in the top five in the ACC in terms of total defense, I would be pretty thrilled with that step forward from where they were a year ago. If I if I had to answer the question, clearly, I, I don't know though. I I have, I was wrong last year before the year when I said they needed to get to a point where they could move Jaquarius Conley to safety, I felt like we saw him back there last year. And look, he wasn't bad. He made some plays back there, no doubt. I think his most effective spot, and we saw how important it was the first time that Gene Chizik was here when MJ Stewart was there, is in the nickel. I think he would be perfect there. So to me, you've got to find two guys on the back end if I had to th- say who would start the season right now, and, of course, it's affected by Conley not being in there, I would probably say it will be Cameron Kelly and Geo Biggers again. Mm. But if you would have asked me this a couple of months ago, I would have told you Dontavius Nash and Geo Biggers. Because I I thought, or, or potentially Cameron Kelly, because he's shown enough... In the run game, but I would have had Dontavius Nash in there at free safety. It's just we haven't heard a lot from him so far fall camp so I'll be interested to see and and you know we'll of course you know keep up to date with all of that and I think it'll be real real key to look at that first depth chart that is released whenever that is released seem like Mac Brown uh, did say he's going to hold back on that one just a little bit well with the defense we also tie in special teams here we're not going to do a whole separate podcast just for the special teams so uh you know this unit a lot of turnover here. Um, looks, you know, Jonathan Kim is going to be taking over in the kicking game. It seems like that is pretty a pretty sure thing. You know, there are some other guys that are there in the room. Uh, Tegan Lindering did transfer, um, a guy that was a preferred walk on a year ago, but Carolina does have a couple of other options. In that room besides Jonathan Kim, mainly it looks like Noah Burnett is kind of that other guy that people have talked about potentially getting a look there if Kim was to struggle, but they're probably going to go with the veteran, the guy that's handled the kickoff duties for the last couple of years. The interesting battle in this room is it looks like Ben Kiernan, who is coming back for his third year, we mentioned, uh, or no, is it his fourth year already? I have to, hold on. Uh, let, me, let me check that really quickly here. I've got the roster right in front of me. If it is, I cannot believe that he has already been here uh, four years. Yes, it is actually his senior year this year. Um, he is coming back, been solid, never has really shown major improvement, though. So I'm wondering if Carolina is maybe... Sort, sort of, you know, trying to turn the heat up on him a little bit. This is another thing that was mentioned back in the spring. We haven't heard about it here in the fall, although they haven't talked all that much about special teams, and I do have to still go back and listen to Mac Brown's full presser from today. But there was a hint that he was in a battle with Cole Maynard, uh, the redshirt freshman out of Huff High School, um, who came in last year. We saw him in the final, uh, or no, the, uh, the game against Wofford last year. Um, So who knows? Carolina could have a potential battle at punter to watch. Josh Downs probably coming back to return punts. And kick returner, no idea. They they have not really said anything about who's going to return kicks. All I know is that I don't think it's going to be Jaquarius Conley. You know, we returned him last year, was solid. Uh, The thing is, from what i've heard he does not they do not want him returning kicks this year. Yeah. He's too valuable. He got hurt doing that last year, so they're going to have to look for another option back there. There are a lot of guys that did it in high school. Pretty much you just put your best player back there in high school. So we'll see. There but as of right now, there's really no clear answers right there. So that'll be an interesting one uh to watch moving forward in terms of uh the special teams unit. You know, one of the main things that we've heard talked about a lot here over the last, you know, couple of weeks was there were the stats that were released about Carolina's field goal kicking and the struggles that they've had over the last couple of years. Um and, and look, you know, it's honestly it's just been bad luck. Noah Ruggles was a guy that really struggled in his time at Carolina. He goes to Ohio State and is one of the best kickers in the entire country. So I, you know, how concerned are you about Carolina's kicking game overall because, you know, look, Grayson Atkins towards the end of last year really started to pick it up, but he's no longer there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be something where, you know, you you got to be more efficient because there's going to be a scenario where I don't think this offense is humming right away where you're having to settle for three as opposed to six. And I don't want to be – this offense doesn't need to be in a situation where If it gets inside the 40, inside the 35, hell, the 30, they're having to go for it because they can't cover it on field goals. Yep. Um, And this offense has been there in in, in the past. So hopefully they they, they do improve in that regard. Hopefully they find someone at the kick returner spot because they got to get more dynamic. They got to be able to flip field position and stuff like that, especially with the new quarterback and all those things. All those little things really become big things. And. That's why they're called special teams because, you know, I, I haven't seen like with a great defense and having a, a big time playmaker at safety, very rarely do good football teams have bad special teams. There's a reason why it's it's a three phase game. And, you know, if you went back and nitpicked plays and stuff like that, you could see where special teams have cost this team's games in mm-hmm. years past. So, oh, definitely. um, I think it's something where Mac Brown is still looking for improvement and stuff like that and hopefully you know they can find a they can find a, an answer at a kick a kick returner and hopefully jonathan kim's leg um, you know it just gets better and better and this offense can actually kick field goals as opposed to having to go for it on fourth downs once they cross the 50.
0: well remember there was a guy that was relatively unknown when he first came in in nick Wyler, and he became a pretty good kicker for carolina so you never really know and uh they are going to have at least a couple of options there if they need it, but we'll see. Uh, that is going to be a unit that has to take a step forward. There's a reason why Javon DeWitt was let go in the offseason and a reason why Larry Porter is now the guy that is taking over that special teams unit. Also, cannot go without mentioning for the special teams unit, I believe they are now officially called deep snappers, long snapper out the window. That's, that's, no long, that's, a, that's an ill-used term now. It is now deep snapper Drew Little. Have to mention him because he was placed on the watch list for deep snappers. So uh, <laughs> congratulations to him. Um, but seriously, he, he's a guy that uh, is now entering his senior he, he might He might be in his senior year as well. Um. yes, his senior year with the Tar Heels already um, and has been extremely efficient. He handled both uh, snapping duties a year ago, uh, so expect him to be a big part of what Carolina does once again this season. So we're going to take a quick break, come back uh, right after this message from DraftKings, and then we are going to get you guys out of here with a couple of closing notes, including an update that Mac Brown had earlier today on the timeline to find the starting quarterback. You don't want to miss that. Stick around right here. Heel Tough Blog Podcast back right after this. Football fans, DraftKings changed the fantasy game forever in 2012. Now 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game, a new way to enjoy daily fantasy football. A new shot at millions in prizes, and the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers football is simple buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contests all season long to compete for millions in jaw dropping prizes. Each week, craft your lineup with athletes from your NFT collection and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more like you would in daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TPPN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes all football season and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers Football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hey guys, welcome back in Heel Blog Podcast. Anthony Pegnata, Josh Marlowe with you. A couple of closing notes to get you out of here. Carolina earlier this afternoon announced that the Carolina NIL exchange program is now officially in place. And per the release that they uh, they, they put out on social media, it is, quote, an online marketplace that will connect Tar Heel student-athletes with local, national, and global businesses interested in partnering, partnering on name, image, and likeness opportunities. So basically it's one central location, a really cool uh, thing that Carolina now has in place where – you know, athletes can sort of, it appears, submit their names in and find these companies that are looking for athletes to potentially advertise. And it's an easy way for these guys to link up and make the money that they need to to be able to, uh, you know, sort of get through college and, and, and do, you know, the things that they need to do without having to struggle in some of the ways uh, that we've seen in the past. So, a really cool thing that Carolina released earlier today. And uh, one other note that we did want to tell you about, this one coming from the press conference, I wasn't able to get uh, all the way through it, really didn't get much of the way through it. I'm going to do that on my way home. We'll have a quotes and notes article that will be released later on tonight. But Mac Brown did talk about the quarterback battle, and he did say that they are, quote, hoping to make the decision on Sunday before the first game and tell the media, on Monday at the press conference, who the quarterback is. So this, once again, is starting to show, you know, when we were when we were at ACC Media Days, it seemed like a much different vibe. A lot of talk about two quarterbacks, told the story about Major Applewhite and Chris Sims. But as we've gotten closer and closer to the regular season, it seems like the narrative is shifting a little bit. It seems like there is a push to find that one guy. And once again, one of the references that I saw people talking about that Mac made earlier today was to that quarterback battle between Colt McCoy and Jevin Sneed, two guys that were, you know, extremely close together in the spring They came back from summer, you know, from from the off season of summer, um, you know, player led workouts, and there was a pretty clear answer from the guys on the team who the quarterback was going to be in their mind. And it seems like maybe that is potentially what is happening here as of right now. Uh it seems like they are still splitting all of the first team reps, but it feels like more and more there's starting to be a lean in one direction for one of the two guys and We'll see. Hopefully, that you know around that time they do end up making that decision because I agree with what we heard from Deems May um, when we talked to him. uh, You know, a couple editions ago of the podcast where you want to get that guy in there, you want to get him to you know start getting the game plan down. Look, Florida A and M, it is what it is. That's one where yeah, if you do take up until Monday to make that decision. It's fine. You want to have that one guy ready to go preparing the game plan for that road matchup against App State in officially week one of the college season, uh, college football season, but week two for Carolina. So very interesting stuff there from the head coach of the Tar Heels. And as I mentioned, quotes and notes. will break it down on the website, heeltufflog.com Make sure you head over there right now. Of course, we're in the middle of position previews. You don't want to miss any of those. We had to actually delay. We've been releasing them every other day. I had to delay the article the other day uh, that I was going to put up for the wide receivers because we had the injury to Antoine Green. So sort of had to shift that article around a little bit. Also had to write that up real quick about Green. So you guys can go back. We have uh, you know an article up uh, a- after today uh, telling you about you know a little bit more about the guys that have to step up with Antoine Green. Now, out of the lineup, um, a little more of a breakdown on what exactly happened uh, to him as well, how he suffered that injury. Mac Brown revealed that earlier. I did put that in the article, so make sure you guys go check that out on the website and keep looking for those position previews as we get closer to the season. We're going to have breakout candidates, bold predictions. Those will be podcast episodes as well. And then, of course, that first game of the year, August 27th, we will have you ready with an Uh, an an in-depth preview of a team in Florida A&M that I, you know, I had mistakenly thought they had lost one of the best players at the FCS level, but they did not. Isaiah Land... Uh, will lead Florida A&M into Chapel Hill on August 27th, a guy that had almost 20 sacks last year uh, at the FCS level. So uh, Carolina going to be faced with a little bit of a tough test out of the gate from that defensive front. We'll tell you all about that as we get closer to the season. Uh, on the website. And uh, while you're there, make sure you check out the podcast tabs at the top, or if you listen to the podcast uh, on any of the major subscriber or, or any of the major websites, make sure that you do rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We don't want you missing any of those editions of the podcast. So make sure you do that. And while you're doing that, head over to the Facebook page. Uh, at Heel Tough blog on Facebook. You can also search it in the uh, search bar at the top of the page. And you can go ahead and like that page and follow it so you don't have to track it down in any of the groups that we share or on our personal pages. You can just have that right there on your timeline whenever we put out some new content. And it contains everything. Uh, We're hoping to get the video editions of the podcast back sometime soon. Um, Still working on trying to get, you know, work some things out as to how exactly we can do that. And. Try to do that while finding time in the schedules that we're currently working right now. Um, But, you know, that is the plan moving forward. So, know those are coming back at some point, and it will all be in that one spot. Head over to Twitter as well, at HeelToughBlog on Twitter for the official page. At HTB Anthony for me, at HTB Josh for, or at HTB underscore Josh because of course he had to change it and make it difficult, and then uh, at Hack Zubber two uh, for Zach Hubbard. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tori.